Hello, everyone. Welcome, our friends, to Wellness Wednesday Inspiration. I'm Dr. Linda Marquez-Gedine, and today is, of course, our weekly Wednesday Inspiration Show podcast, where we're always striving to just bring you, you know, some people that are really going to change your life, are going to impact you in a positive way so that you can be the best version of you. And today I am going solo. My partner is uh, vacationing. Actually, she's at a retreat. So I told her, don't worry about the podcast. You get focused. And, you know, we just kind of take turns doing that. So but we didn't want to miss the show. We didn't want to miss bringing you something of value. And, you know, of course, you're not going to be disappointed today because if you have been just kind of on the fence about getting things done and you know you're supposed to do something, but you don't do it. I know, I know I'm guilty of that as well. And sometimes you need some accountability and you know that you need accountability, but you still don't do it. Or even when you do have the accountability, you still don't do it. And why is that? So there is a connection to all that. So today we are going to give you some step-by-step strategies. We're going to talk about, you know, how, you know, why are we getting stuck where we are? What can we do about it? And really, as one of my mentors would say, you know, he tells us, you know, crap or get off the pot. And a lot of us have just been sitting on the pot waiting to take a, <laughs> a poop, so to speak, but never get off. You know, it's just like, okay. Or the other analogy that I hear a lot of coaches use, it's just like you have, you're, you know, you're like aiming, 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 and you're aiming, but you never shoot because you think you don't have the perfect target. You think you're not going to get the bullseye. And a lot of times in life, it's just like, you just have to go for it. It doesn't matter if you hit the target or or not, because it's always about progress and not perfection. So today's guest is such an amazing person that will help you get on that right path. Um, And, you know, he's, he's a master at this. I know he motivates me. You're going to be really inspired by him. And not only that, um, you need a little push. Here it is. So. Uh, my guest today is Christopher Rausch, also known as, you know, the kick-ass dude. And he's an author, he's a podcaster, he's a coach, he's a dad, he's a, a husband, he's an amazing friend of mine. And I've even done work with him because he's pushed me when I get in my own little comfort zone. So we're going to bring Chris on and enlighten your day today. Hey, What's there you up, are. Dr. Linda? <laughs> Oh, I'm doing awesome. I'm so glad that, you know, we're doing this. We've been wanting to do this for some time now. And it's just, you know, life gets busy. But, you know, we always make time for what's important to us. And I'm just so happy that you are here. So tell the audience a little bit about you. And you have such an extraordinary story of where you started. And you're just like the epitome of you don't give up. And they're really that's the no excuses coach is like perfect for you because it's like you've had like the whole world against you it seems like at one point and to go from where you were to where you are now it's pretty awesome well thank you thank you linda i appreciate it it's, i'm so honored to be here and i appreciate that warm introduction i mean that was massively uh uplifting for me so thank you thank you thank you i mean we've been friends for geez uh going on what since 2013 2012 something like that i mean yeah. It seems like Probably it seems like, longer than that. Yeah, it does. It does. It does. So you're a beautiful soul. So thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate you. My journey. I mean, geez, uh, where do I start? There's so many different ways to start that, 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 that story, but essentially, you know, uh, I grew up in, uh, here in Southern California.
California where I, where I currently live. And I grew up in a place called Inglewood in South Los Angeles. I grew up with a mother who had various psychological disorders and chemical dependencies and an affinity for men. So my first upbringing, my first five years of my life were spent uh, mostly being alone. My sister helped raise me um, to that point. Never knew my biological father. He was actually, I found out later on in life, he was married uh, with kids of his own. So uh, I never knew him. And with my mother, you know, struggling with her different psychological disorders and us being on welfare, it was just a very chaotic time. And I was being interviewed yesterday on a podcast. And I said, you know, I told the person, I said, I would love knowing what I know now about the, the human development cycle of what we go through from zero to five. I would love to go back and see a video of how I was treated and how I was cared for in those first five years. Because when you think about all, the, I think about my son who's four and a half years old, you know, Jackson, uh, I think about yeah. how much love I give him, how much support I give him and how I'm always there for him and I'm helping him get dressed. I'm doing all these things. And I know I didn't have that. I know I didn't have that. My sister told me that I was seen more as a pain in the ass than anything else because she admittedly said she resented me because I was seven years younger than her. My mom was out going and doing stuff. So she had to take care of me. She had to babysit me and take care, take care of all that stuff. Um, so it wasn't until, wasn't until I was about six or seven years old when we moved, all of us moved um, to a nice middle-class neighborhood. Uh, my mom met this guy and I thought he was going to be my dad. And I thought it was going to be a great situation. We we're going to be a great family. And unfortunately that didn't happen. Uh, what happened was there was a lot of physical abuse in the house between those two. And that physical abuse started coming down on me. So my mom would actually, uh, physically hurt me and, uh, mentally hurt me with the things that she would say and the things that she would do. Um, all the while I was watching him hurt her and her hurt him. It was just a bunch of violence in the house, uh, which ultimately caused my sister to decide to leave when she was 16 years old. Uh, I was nine years old. She was 16 years old. Shortly after that, the boyfriend husband left. And then it was just my mom and I. Uh, that was joyous. Uh, meanwhile, I'm approaching 13 years old. I'm going through puberty. I don't have a male figure in my life. I'm getting bullied at school. I'm getting my ass kicked on the street and I'm getting my ass beat by my mom. And then what happens? We become homeless. 13 years old, I get to drop out of the seventh grade and I get to live in a 1969 Country Squire station wagon with 18 cats and two dogs. No, that's not a joke. My mother was a crazy cat lady. We actually had about above 30 cats and that's all we could catch before the sheriff showed up to kick us out of the house because she didn't pay the rent because she was spending all of the rent money on trying to save her favorite cat who ultimately died. So yeah, 13 years old, seventh grade dropout, living in the backseat of a station wagon with a, with a mother with various psychological disorders. The next four years of my life were crazy insane. That's, I can't even like imagine everything you just told us right now. And I didn't know the sister part. Yeah. You know? And I could see, I could see how she could probably feel like, you know, this isn't fair you know, I got to take care of this kid, you know, we have a parents and, you know, it's just like, what's going on through her mind as well as such different perspectives, yep. you know, and I think that's the beauty of everything. It's just like, you know, when we begin to change, the only way we're going to change, I mean, you're a master at it and, and you coach so many people is, you know, really having to change our perspective. Big and time. sometimes you can't do that just by and like people do affirmations, you know, and they visualize things at times, but there's still some changes that don't occur. Was there a time where like you felt um, like you're saying, you know, you were in those critical years as a teenager going through like, okay, I'm supposed to be no longer a boy and kind of changing into that manhood, but you never had that. I mean, what, where was that shift? Where was, what happened? Was there something that happened there? Something that happened in, in terms of what? 
like something like monumental or was there, did you have an aha moment or was there someone that you, was there a teacher? You know, I always think, I always think of the Les Brown story and you know, mm. Les Brown, cause you know, oh. we both know him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know how he talked about the, the teacher that told mm. him, you know, to go, go solve that problem and that to never, you know, speak negative of himself. Was there something like that that happened with you? Oh yeah. <laughs> there were a few, there were a few situations that happened with me. Um, it wasn't the fact that I tried to commit suicide twice and I fortunately sucked at it. That wasn't the signpost that I needed. Uh, it wasn't mm. the fact that I was almost carjacked at gunpoint. That wasn't the signpost I needed. The mm. signpost I needed at 17 years old to, after doing drugs, alcohol, stealing, gangs, fighting, uh, not being in school, still working jobs and, and still trying to, to survive. Um, it wasn't until I had a gun put to my head by a black gentleman who thought I was racist because I wouldn't buy his cigarettes because they were the wrong kind of brand. That's when I had my aha moment. That's when I decided wow. that, geez, I'm about to die. Um, because this guy thinks I'm racist when I'm absolutely not. I grew up in Los Angeles where I was like the only white kid in the black neighborhood. Um, all my friends were diverse. You know, I had more diverse friends than I had white friends. And yet this guy was, had a gun to my head because he didn't think I was going to buy the cigarettes because I was being racist. And I said, no, dude, I said, I don't smart. I don't smoke marble reds. I smoke cool menthols. And he thought I was making another jab at him. So put the gun to my head and he says, I'm going to blow your brains out. You know, called me a bunch of names. I won't repeat them here. And, uh, at that point I was, I was such at a point, Linda, where I had, like I guess said, I tried to commit suicide twice. Um, I almost OD'd. I had a bunch of other shit that happened and I told him literally pull the fucking trigger then apologize wow. for swearing, but that's exactly what I said. I was standing out in the parking lot and I said to pull the fucking trigger and I fully expected to hear a click and that that was going to be it. And I honestly wow. thought at that point, I'm like, now I will get my mom's attention. Now my mom will pay attention to me and give me significance. Now my mom's going to have to figure out things on her own. Fortunately, uh, a friend of ours came out from another motel room and said, no, 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 him and his moms are cool. Him and his moms are cool. No, 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 no. I want to become friends with that guy. His name is Keith. God knows what happened to him from that point. Mm -hmm. But at that point, uh, I had to sit there and really take stock of my entire life. It's 17 years old. Everything that I'd been through. Being homeless, my mom even won the lottery. She won $5,000 on a scratcher ticket. We did not get a place to live. We did not get an apartment. I did not go back to school. She wound up spending the money. She was playing espionage agent to a drug dealer at the motel, and she was feeding information to the Anaheim Police Department at the same time. She thought she was doing all these things for society and all this other stuff. Meanwhile, I was working a job at Carl's Jr. I was working telemarketing jobs um, and just trying to survive and just trying to figure out where I was going to go. But after that experience, I took stock of my life, and I looked at all the prostitution. I looked at the drugs. I looked at the cops coming into place. Mm -hmm. I looked at everything in that place that we were staying at and I decided there's going to be a couple of situations that are going to happen that are going to get me out of here. Number one, I'm going to die. Number two, I'm going to go to jail or number three, I'm going to decide that I need to live my life. Right. And that was, I was just talking to somebody earlier. They asked me, what was the hardest decision you ever had to make? I'm like, that was the hardest decision because life has a way of throwing signposts at us. Linda, you know that. Yeah. Smack us up against the face. Like, Hey, you need to do this. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that later. I'll do, I'll do that later. Mm -hmm. And I had plenty of signposts while I was homeless. I had plenty of people that wanted to take me in, put me back into school, buy me clothes, give me food, all that other stuff. They wanted to do that, but I could not leave my mom until that moment when I decided, okay, if I don't get out of here on my own, then I'm going to wind up dead or in jail. The universe opened up like a three days later and I went to work. I actually did telemarketing out of a, uh, a guy's apartment with a friend of mine. It sounds creepy, but we were setting roofing contractor appointments. We went to work that day and he says, guys, I got good news and bad news. The bad news is I'm going to move the shop to Texas. We're here in Southern California. Uh, but the good news is I want to leave you my apartment. I want to leave the first wow. and last deposit and everything. I know you guys are staying in that, that crappy motel. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to get out of there. And he originally said like you and your mom and he didn't know the whole story, but 
uh, my friend and my, my friend and I looked at each other like, wow. And this was an apartment in Huntington Beach, California, beautiful mm -hmm. grounds, you know, gated community pool and gym. And it was like, we're like, oh my God, this could be ours. This could be ours. I mean, it was wow. so amazing. Everything that I had been through, I was like, wow. And my immediate thought was my mom won't let me. I'm 17 years old. I've been through hell and back with her. And the first thought is my mom won't approve of this. And I had to do some deep, deep soul searching, Linda, because I was like, wow, what is it? What am I making this to mean? What am I going to do? Mm. And I ultimately decided this, this is probably my last opportunity to get out of this situation. So I made one of the toughest decisions I ever could possibly made. And I told my mom, listen, I have an opportunity to go live in a nice place and, 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 and do all these things and, and, and create my life. And I honestly thought for the first time in my experience that she would say, you know what? I've done enough to screw you up. Uh, I beat you. I've mentally beat you. You know, all these, I've taken advantage of you. I've all these different things. I thought she would say, you know what, Chris, you deserve to go live your life. I'm an adult. I'm living mine. I'm not making the best decisions. You need to go do yours. And I want you to be happy. And I want you to be, you know, healthy. That's all I wanted her to say. But she called me every name in the book. How could you do this to me? And da, 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 screaming at me in the motel in front of everybody. And I was just like, wow. 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 It was, and, and again, because I had stood up for myself before, but then I would be like, okay, this time I had to make that decision because again, it went back to the, to the consequences. If I don't make this decision, I'm going to wind up dead or in jail. And so I made the decision to leave. And I'm so, so grateful because from that experience, I learned about codependency. I learned that I was doing everything for my mom and that she needed to get stronger. So ultimately yeah. from that situation, I got out and like, to your point, again, I met other people, mentors in my life that, that guided me to be where I'm at today, but also my mom got stronger and she had to get her stuff together and she had to get a job and she had to start being a functioning member of society again, which yeah. she did for the most part. And, uh, yeah. And then the journey continued from there, of course. Wow. You know, and it sounds like I would love to get, I mean, if this fellow's listening, you know, the one that gave you his apartment, I mean, oh my goodness, to just see what he, how he impacted, not just one human being, but so many, because you've impacted so many people with your show, with your books, with your presence and speaking and just, just, I mean, I know you and I love you like a brother and you know that, that if I need something, I'm on, you know, I text you, you text me, we don't, maybe we don't communicate as much. I'm like, are on the phone all the time. We both have busy lives, but we know that, Hey, I got your back. And it's like, I've got your back. And you've always been that kind of person. And, you know, I always believe that whatever we put out there, um, will seek us out to return, whether it's on the positive or the negative. So he was probably one of those teachers, like felt like, you know, you know, something's good happening to me. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pass it on to these kids, you know, and just pass it on to them. And we can also go on just uh, on tuition, sort of, sort of speak that knowing that, you know what, I'm going to do my part, whatever that person chooses to do, do with their part, you know, that's up to them. But most of the time, we know that it's just like, we're, we're touching them in one way or another. And even, and even if we're not, um, some of the expected something back in return. But I think he honestly was just, you know, I really want to help these kids out. I did by providing them work. But now because I can't do that, he almost felt like responsible in some way or in another, maybe that was his perspective, you know, because we all have a perspective of the lens of how we look at life. So, you know, I think that kind of comes back to you were a different person then. And obviously you're a different person now, but it's almost like you had to create a different identity because your identity was with, you were like, you were saying that codependent individual on your, you know, with your mom. 
True. To have this new identity, which was what? Since all you knew you thought was I'm a screw up, I failed at, you know, committing suicide. Uh, this guy had this gun to my head. You know, your perspective, if you probably wasn't that high, you know, and what you thought about yourself compared to like where you are now, it's like, dude, you're like, <laughs> I said, like rock solid. You stand firm with what you believe in no matter what's going on. So, you know, it's really important to change that perspective, don't you think? Otherwise, we would really not accomplish anything. Oh, super huge, super huge. What you're talking about really is uh, one of the core essentials that I teach in my coaching and my speaking and everything is whether or not we choose to be a victim of our situations or a victor of our situations. And for me, that came, the realization came that life, you know, later on down the road, as I was battling demons and different things of that nature, I realized that everything that happened in my past, because I was still angry and resentful for it, even though I grew and became stronger, I still held that anger and that resentment towards my mom for having gone through that stuff. Because at that point, I didn't realize that ultimately life was happening for me during that time not to me so yeah. that delineation right there ladies and gentlemen when you make that when you make that delineation like life is happening for me even the tough times even the challenging times then your perspective like you said shifts to be empowering mm -hmm. it's like something isn't hard or challenging necessarily it's an opportunity for us to grow and when i talk to people when i interview people because i don't take on every every client as a i don't take on every person as a client that's for sure not anymore no 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 so i will i will i will i will ask them on a scale of one to ten how bad do you really want this how bad do you really want to change because ultimately you have to make a decision of where it is that you're going and and decide that you're not going to have that mentality of oh well poor me and this happened and that happened and that happened and this happened because i can give you an excellent example Linda, of how that can really truly happen. So uh, going back to my sister, which I'm surprised you didn't know about. Um, so yes, I didn't see her from the age of nine um, until I was in my early thirties. So I knew, I kind of knew that she was okay, but I hadn't seen her or anything. And then when the internet started coming about, I searched her on the internet and I found out that she lived a mile and a half away from me in Riverside. Wow. It was crazy. I'm like, oh my there's goodness. no way my sister lives a mile and a half away from me here in Riverside. <laughs> sure enough, got a hold of her. Long story short, my sister hadn't been around my mom since she was 16. And now she was in her forties, I believe. Um, so she hadn't, she hadn't been around my mom since she was 16 years old yet. My sister turned out exactly like my mom. Wow. Exactly. I never understood genes, uh, hereditary things or something like that. But my sister literally went into the same career. Uh, she had a houseload wow. of cats. She had a houseload of books. My mom was incredibly smart, had a lot of books around. Um, mm -hmm. and she was also a victim. She was also a victim of, oh, it's their fault. And it's their fault. It's, it, it's, it's, it's their fault that I got fired from every job. She turned out exactly like my mom and she wow. hated my mom. She despised my mom and she had a dad who was normal. He had a middle-class wow. life. He had money. We lived in Inglewood. We had nothing. We had, we flipped on the lights. We had cockroaches. That's one of my memories wow. as a child is that you turn a light and phew, cockroaches would just go scattering. Wow. She had everything. She went to school. She wasn't homeless. We reconnected and I was mortified, shocked when I found out when I went to her house, she wouldn't even let me inside her house. I, I, I helped her pick up a piece of furniture and I said, Oh, I'll take it inside. She goes, Oh, it's okay. You just leave it on the doorstep. I'm like, it's a piece of furniture, Maria. Come on, let's just go into your house. It's no big deal. And as soon as she opened the door, I caught a whiff and I'm like, wow, that sounds wow. Nice. It like mom's house. And she, and I said, well, yeah. she goes, well, my house is a mess right now. And as soon as she opened the door, I was like, Oh my God, she turned my mind. I mean, the clutter, everything. It, it was like, you guys are, no. And wow. so through the, through the conversations one day, she goes, she goes, baby brother, how did you turn out like this? How did you, how did you turn out like this? And you were the one that went, well, you were homeless with mom. You spent all your time with mom, you know, all the different things that mom had to go through. My mom was raped while we were homeless. I had to experience that at 15 years old and understanding all that stuff. 
Um, so she asked me all these questions. She goes, so how did you do it? And I looked at her plain and simple. I said, I decided that I was not going to end up like mom. So mom is not a people person, right? No. So I studied people who were people, people. Yeah. And I studied books and I went to school to get my master's degree in organizational management, right? Seventh grade dropout gets a master's degree in organizational management. And my sister is asking me, why are you so successful and happy? I'm like, cause I chose to do what successful and happy people do. Mom was not successful mm -hmm. and happy. Their success leaves clues. Success yeah. leaves clues. And she could not get it. She could not understand it. So finally, and I tell the story and apparently it helps a lot of people. I wished her well. In 2005, I think it was 2005, I said, you know, we reconnected for about a year and I tried to help her. Everything I know about coaching, everything I've been through, I tried to help her and I tried to help her. No, 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 that won't work. No, no, no. I've tried that before. All these different, she was so much in a victim mindset that I was like, good luck, Maria. I wish you all the best. I'm glad we reconnected, but please don't contact me again. Yeah. That's, that, oh, that, I love that you said that. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it's perspective and it's like whatever we choose to focus on really manifests in our life. And, you know, you, this, you use this as an opportunity, as a ste stepping stone to move victorious instead of as a victim. So we all have a choice in life, no matter what happens to us and nothing means anything until whatever meaning we give, to, we give to it. So you look at it like, Hey, I, I know what I don't want to be like, and well, what would be the opposite? It's almost like common sense, some things, you know, it's like, okay, if I'm fat or if I'm poor or if I'm mean, what's the opposite? And I focus mm -hmm. on the opposite. And as soon as you start doing that, I would say, God, the universe, I believe there's something greater that really is overseeing everything. It's just not chaos. It's like, oh, okay, Chris is, you know, we're going to send this person in his life, you know, this book's going to fall off the shelf or this person's going to give him this magazine or whatever. So you got to that point where number one, it's like, you just change your perspective, which we all can do. It's really not that hard. You just, like you said, number one, decide. And because you're in a, you're the no excuses coach, <laughs> you know, it's just like one, you got to eliminate excuses. I mean, why do you think a lot of people continue to make the excuses and, and just hold on to them like your, like your sister? Is it comfort? Yeah, it's fear. I mean, we, we honestly, we can look through, we could look, look my monitors keep popping out. Um, we can look through life through one of two lenses. We can look through life through the lens of love or the lens of fear. So, so many people are operating from a lens of fear, a lens of uncertainty. I mean, for the past year, we've been dealing with COVID yeah. and there has been all different things. People have had to pivot. They've had to shift. Some people have come out of this making more money, more happier and doing more things. And some people have stuck to their guns about how miserable they're going to be. Ultimately, uh, you have to, you have to, you have to want to change. You have to want that mm -hmm. desire to be able to move out of that place. But ultimately so many people stay in there because misery loves company. Right. Yep. I, I give this, I'll give this, 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 this exercise to all the people that are listening and watching this, take it, take out a sheet of paper, just like this. I keep paper around me all the time. I'm constantly writing down stuff Take <laughs> out a sheet of paper and write out uh, positive, negative on the top, draw a little, do a little T thing, and then write down the five people, write down the names that you, you stay around all the time. The most, most people you stay around the time and write down if they're positive or negative, they can't mm. be in the middle. 
they either positive, they, 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 they are positive reinforcement in your life for you to follow your dreams and to be congruent and authentic with who you are to go out there and make mistakes and go out there and challenge yourself and have a great life and live life, not exist in life. Or you're around people that say, Oh no, don't do that. Oh, you should do this. And da, 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 da. You, you know, people around bitch pissing and moaning, waiting for the government to hand them out stuff, waiting for this, waiting for that. Mm-hmm. You're like the five people you're around the most. So a lot of people stay that way because it's like, oh, I can bitch. And everybody's like, oh, pour this and pour this and pour that. Oh, you should get this. And they just play this game with themselves with short-term gratifications. Oh, I'll just binge watch Netflix. I'll eat, I'll drink, I'll have sex, I'll, I'll, I'll go into sports, whatever addiction that somebody wants. And then I'll figure it out later. And people are hoping, wishing, and praying that something's going to happen. Uh, I'll, someday I'll win the lottery. For every person that says that, I'm like, how many times a year do you play? And they'll say, well, you know, I play like five or six times a year. And I'm like, first I have to qualify. Are you dead serious? Well, yeah, I know I'm going to win the lottery. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm glad, I'm glad you have such conviction in that, but I can, I could guarantee you something else that's going to happen is you're going to wind up at the end of your journey with a shitload of regrets. Because yeah. you're going to look back on your life, you're like, wow, look at all the things I didn't do. I just heard a story about a man who just lost his father. And when he talked to his father about any regrets, his father had a super successful life. He asked his father, he says, you know, what would you go back and do differently? He says, there were so many opportunities where I could have taken a chance. He goes, I had so many different opportunities where I could have risked and gone for something, but I was so scared and I didn't know what to do. So I didn't do it. And now in retrospect, mm-hmm. what would I have had to lose by going and doing those things? I still had a great life anyway, but still thinking back on their lives, they were sitting there going, wow, there were so many different cool opportunities I could have done that I didn't do. I played it safe and here I am anyway. I love that. Wow. You know, and that's so true because excuses or reasons, you know, there it's one or the other, just like perspective. We choose, we're choosing left or right. Is this a reason or is this an excuse? And you, you're really good at calling people out on, you know, on their excuses because it's just they're, they don't have faith in themselves. And like you mentioned, you know, I like to use either you're doing things out of fear or, or faith or love, you know, whatever you focus on, even when everything happened, you know, with, with COVID. I mean, the first thing I, I didn't, I don't watch the news. I always figure out, you know what, whatever I need to know is going to be presented to me. I'm not going to sit there and, and so many people sending me information that's just like the what ifs, the what ifs, the what if, what if, what if, what if. I'm like, <laughs> I'm saying this, I'm saying this live for, for those of you who like don't know me as well as you think you know me. But there was a mentor of mine who would always tell me this because I would ask him, hey, doc, what if a patient did this? And what if he comes in with this? And what if, what if, what if? And he looked at me and just I thought like he was going to rip my head off. And he just looks at me and he goes, what if my aunt had nuts? She'd be my <laughs> uncle. <laughs> and he would oh, just start yeah. laughing. And I'm like, and I felt like he was going to yell at me, but he just looked at me just with that stern look, you know? And I just started laughing. I'm like, yeah, what if? There's so many what ifs in life. So it's really about one, like just choosing. And I like that exercise that you said. It's just like write down what's good, what's not so good. And who am I associating with? Because if you're probably looking a lot at, at the not so good things in my life, you are you're you're attracting people that are gonna um, reassure and validate that, that that's the aisle that you stay in, and yeah. you continue to operate out of. Versus, you know what? I mean, like I can count the people on my hand that I really can call at any time to connect with. There's not too many. I get that I can call my hand. You're one of them. Or it's just like, you know what, girl, you need to just get your crap together. Stop. Give me the excuses and and then you'll tell me, okay, what do you need to do? You know, 
and like, well, this is what I want. Okay, well, if you want this, then what do you need to get there? Well, I have all this other stuff. Okay. And you just start breaking things down and mm -hmm. it's just step by step by step. What is one thing, one tool that has really helped you? Um, and I may be surprised, may not, but when you work with clients about not going back to their old habits of what's familiar and safe. <laughs> That's a great question. Yes. One of the, one of the, one of the, one of the top exercises that I love doing for, for people is something that I did for myself back in early 2000s. I went to a funeral for one of my coworkers and in that funeral, the services, I was sitting in the back of the church as I usually do at the back of the church or back of school. And I was watching everybody get up there and eulogizing this person. And I didn't know her well enough to eulogize her, but I worked with her and I was there paying my respects. And uh, everybody was just getting up there. And my buddy Dave Riley got up there in his gray suit and his pink tie. And he just started blubbering about how great she was. And I thought to myself, and I said, you know what? And I was coaching at this time. I was, I think at, at that time I was doing it for free just to, just to pay it forward, just to make a difference in people's mm -hmm. lives. But at that point I said, you know, if I died tomorrow, who would show up and what would they say about me? And so I sat there and reflected on that for a second. I thought, you know what? Probably 10 or 15 people will show up. They'll bring beer and Jack Daniels and Motley Crue and ACDC records. And they'll tell stories about all the crazy shit that Chris did, how he's a woman chaser, how he was this. Oh yeah. He was homeless and he came back and he got a master's degree and da, 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 da. Uh, and he was a great guy. And I was like, Okay. You know, that's, that's good. That's good. That's cool. Mm -hmm. But then I started thinking about it. I'm like, and then listening to everybody get up there and say, what a massive impact that, that, um, geez, I'm going to draw, I'm going to lose her name. Uh, Anne, Anne Bircher, uh, and what, what, what amazing impact Anne had in our lives. And I thought, you know mm -hmm. what? I'm teaching people how to have impact in their lives. I am having impact in my, in our lives, but what would make that better for me? And I did something mm -hmm. sick and twisted that most people will not do or will not even think about is I went home and I wrote my eulogy. I literally took out a pad of paper, big one. It was a legal size. And I sat there and I was just like, you know what? What would I write? What would I want to be said about me? And this is before I even knew that a lot of people do this now. It's not, not like I figured it out, but on my own, I figured I'm like, okay, I'm going to go back and do this. And people told me back then I was sick and twisted. But when I wrote it, I was sitting there, I was writing, I was writing it out. And the God's honest truth is I got to the end of it. And I wrote down, Christopher Roush will have fought for what was right and what was fair. He will have risked for which that mattered. And he will have left the earth a better place for who he was and what he did. And when I got to the bottom of that, when I read that whole entire eulogy out loud, I had tears running down my face. Wow. And I was just like, and, and there was tears for so many different reasons. I should have, I should actually journaled it. I wish I would have journaled it because there was, there was, there was tears because I, I didn't think it was possible. I didn't think I could do it. You know, it was like, oh, that's such a big thing for a homeless kid. You know, was told he was stupid and told to shut up and be seen and not heard. Yeah. You know, that's a great life for somebody to have, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm surviving at that point I was surviving. And that's what my coach ultimately told me. She goes, you got to get out of survivor mode. If you really want to truly excel and exceed in your life. Uh, but from that point forward, that exercise has been so paramount with so many people that I've coached. Uh, they come back to me years and years later, like Chris, I was just in a tough time, but I remember what you said. And I went back and I read my eulogy and if, if what it was, I was concerned about wasn't in that eulogy or wasn't a part of my legacy that I knew I needed to surrender and let that thing go. Because so many times wow. we sit there and we, we think about, we think about the word priority, right? So many people say mm -hmm. the word priorities. Oh, here are my priorities. But originally the word was singular. What is my priority? So when you think about that legacy, you write that legacy out. That's a promise. That's a commitment statement to yourself to say, listen, this is the way I'm going to live my life. I am going to make a promissory note to myself that when I'm done, I'm going to be an excellent father. I'm going to have I've done these things. I'm going to make, I've traveled here and I've done all these things, but most of all that I will have fought for what was right and what was fair, et cetera, et cetera. So once that's one component of it. So the next component of that, once we get through that part is when you're in a moment 
where you know, because we, we're aware of what we're doing. You know, like if I know that this is bad and I pick it up and I'm like, oh, and I sit there and rationalize, well, if I do it today, then, you know, I'll make up for it tomorrow and all the other stuff. We give ourselves excuses. Oh, you know, I did good today. I'm going to have this cheat. I'm going to have this thing. We give ourselves excuses to go do it and have this. But when you have a promissory note and you have this, and then you say, here's the question, ladies and gentlemen, is this getting me closer to or further from my stated goal? Is this getting me closer to or further from? And if you answer that question honestly and accurately and say, you know what? All the excuses and everything else I just said out the door, this is not getting me closer to my stated goal. That's That's so powerful. Drop Drop whatever the fuck it is. Drop it and keep your promise to yourself. And I promise you, you have a kick-ass life. Yeah. And you know what? Do you, um, I mean, we need to just like clip that right there so that you can see it every single day and see you because that's another powerful way of doing it. I know a lot of people do like vision boards, but what if your vision board was a movie or your mind movie or your power script was exactly what you talked about, about your eulogy and, you know, watching it every single day and listening and really just getting into the feeling and that is just going into your subconscious mind every single day because that's how we learn. We we pick up a lot of the habits from our, like you said, your your sister picked up a lot of the habits and what she saw that your mom did, but she never did the work and, and hopefully maybe she has by now has done the work to kind of rewrite those programs. And the only way you're gonna rewrite that program is rebooting your life and and now as we're older is by repetition, repetition, repetition. So, and there's other strategies. And I'm sure you work with your clients. There's strategies where you can shortcut it to some degree. And I know you have some, I have some, but it really is about, they've got to change their identity. You have to divorce, lose, like you said, the person that you were, because it's like that person is going to bring you back to Chris, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work, you know, stay here where the other one's like, dude, I can't stay here. I got to go. See ya. It's kind of like mm-hmm. having the bad angel and the good angel on one side, you know, or the, the fallen one and the one that's like, no, we got to go this way. So is that, I mean, uh, that would be another way for people to change their identity. You know, it, it, I mean, what you just said, that was powerful, but just Imagine listening to that every single day, every day, every day, Mm -hmm. feeling it, seeing it, you know, hearing it right before you go to bed first thing in the morning and just, and just you looking at you and saying, you know, I am, that's one of your values is, is your integrity. And you want to be a person that is true to their word because that is the fastest way anybody can build confidence. Just be, just be true to your word. If it is, I'm going to do this. Be true to your word, you know, because what you do in one area of your life is going to show up in other people in other areas of your life and how you treat others. So I thank you so much. That was awesome. So that's that's a huge tool right there that you can use to create a new identity. That's powerful. I love Mm -hmm. that. So what do you call it? Just your eulogy letter? Because you had me do that. (laughs) Uh Yeah, I remember that. Um, How often do you read yours? 
I, I, I recited in my brain all the time. That part, that part is what sticks that see what I do is I start my day. Let's, let's talk about daily habits for a second dovetailing on that. So my, my daily habit now is before my eyes open, I say what I'm grateful for. So when I go to bed, I say out loud what I'm grateful for. I put my head on my pillow. And I'm like, I'm grateful for a beautiful day. I'm grateful. My son is alive. I'm grateful. You know, all the different things for that day. I'm grateful for Linda. I'm grateful for the interview, whatever it might be that comes to my mind. I always say what I'm grateful for. And I go to sleep when I wake up before my eyes open. I sit there and I say what I'm grateful for that day. I'm grateful for a beautiful night's rest. I'm grateful for my son crashing my bed in the middle of the night. I get to wake up next to him. I'm grateful for my dog sleeping on the bed. I'm grateful that the, the air conditioner works. I'm great. You know, and then after that, before my eyes open also, and this is only about 30 seconds to a minute and a half. Then I say what my intentions are for the day, right? Now, here's a magical thing, ladies and gentlemen. How many of you wake up every day before your eyes open and say, hey, my intention today is to be positive and pleasant to my coworkers. Hey, my intention today is to be an awesome wife or a husband to my spouse. Hey, my intention today is to be productive and, and happy with my life. No, what we do is we wake up and go, oh shit, I gotta go to work. Oh my God, it's gonna be a pain in the ass. There's gonna be so much traffic. I need my coffee. I hope nobody talks to me before I wake up. You know, it's all this crap. And I'm like, really? And then people tell me, I'm like, why don't you get up an hour early and wake up and set your intentions, say your gratitude, set your intentions and spend an hour on yourself. Maybe 20 minutes of exercise, 20 minutes of journaling, 20 minutes of reading. Oh my God, Chris, I'm not a morning person. You're asking too much. I don't have that kind of time. No, 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 no. Okay. So you just keep doing on what you're doing and you keep hoping, wishing and praying that something's going to change and talk to me in 20 years about how you feel you live your life. Wow. That, that's so powerful. You and I do have a lot of the same habits. You know, first thing in the morning, it's just like I get up, gratitude. I write it and right before I go to bed, same thing, gratitude. Mm -hmm. I will write down what, what happened during that day, things that I'm thankful for and kind of reevaluate even like, what could I have done a little bit better? And awesome. just, just looking at, at that, um, so that, that's huge. Then also just taking the first even hour, two hours of the day on you. And it's almost like filling up your cup, filling up, you know, everything, that, your bucket, because you're going to go be watering throughout the day instead of having the bucket half full because you didn't take time for you in the morning to fill the bucket. And so it's mm -hmm. like, now you're running out. It's like, you don't have enough water to go help everyone else. So that, I think that's, People sometimes um, misconstrue that as, well, you're just selfish. It's like, no, it's just like the whole oxygen mask when you're on the plane. You can't help someone else if you're like giving them everything, but you, it's like you, they're like helpless and you give them an oxygen mask, but they're not going to take action to help other people. And you know that you're the person that's like, mm -hmm. just give it to me and I'll help everybody else, you know? So I think that's really important for people to, to, um, to understand, to, you know, really it's like take that time for themselves so kind of wrapping things up so you want to create a new identity number one is you said you just got to decide decide that's the big one number two is just like who are you who is your circle of influence because it's the decision your circle of influence if you don't have a good one then create a new community that would be number number two Number three is it's like you've had mentors, you've had books that you read, you know, it's like hire a mentor, hire a coach, hire you because you, you get results, <laughs> you know, you get results, you tell people not what they want to hear, what they need to hear. And I know you've called me out a couple of times on things and it's just like, but even if it meant our friendship, you would still do it because you know that it's in my best interest. It's like, you know what, Linda may not talk to me anymore because I'm calling her out on this. And most people might get offended. And if they get offended, then, you know, they're, they're not ready for you. And that's okay. 
mm-hmm. you know? So really, and even just having, um, having a coach and even like love the, the eulogy of the eulogy letter to, you know, make it, make it your mind movie, listen to it every single day as much as you can throughout the day and rewire your brain. So those are some steps that people can start taking uh, right away. And of course, the daily habits, and you were talking about the daily habits, about the sleep, about the thoughts, about gratitude is huge on our, I mean, that's like the foundation. Mm-hmm. Gratitude, because with gratitude, you're going to be focusing on faith and love more than you are fear. Does True. that kind of wrap it up? Oh, absolutely. There's so much more I could say, but yes, that's, a, that's an I excellent know. culmination of, of what we said. Yeah. I mean, it really mm-hmm. honestly belongs, it, it starts with self-love, not selfishness, because I've given over hundreds of coaching calls over the last year. And one of the things I've identified when I ask, when I start seeing a pattern is I start asking people a question. I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask you a question and I'm doing it on zoom and I don't want you to really think about it, but I want you to give me an immediate answer. Yes or no. And they look at me like, okay, what kind of question are you going to ask me? I'm like, do you love yourself? Yes or no. And mm-hmm. I was shocked. When I started asking that question, how many people struggled with saying yes? Some people couldn't say yes. Some people like, well, yeah, I think so. I'm like, so how do you expect to receive abundance? How do you expect to have love in your life and the jobs that you want and all the abundance that you want in your life when you don't even love yourself or if you're questioning, you're yeah. doubting why you don't love yourself? Okay, forgiveness and empathy. Let's walk down that road. Where, where do we need to, to heal? Yeah. So we have to start healing. Um, like they say, hurt people, hurt people. And we have a lot of divisiveness going on in the world today and a lot of stuff going on. If, if every one of us took an opportunity and said, I'm gonna take the next six months and I'm not gonna focus on anyone else necessarily. I mean, obviously we have to focus on our family and stuff like that, but I'm gonna really take this next six months and I'm going to focus on what uh, I've been tolerating for all my entire life. What what is it that I've been putting up with that I could start knocking off my tree? What is it? Who can I get around that that has the life that I want to have? How can I start loving myself and maybe mm-hmm. get rid of toxic people in my life so that I can ultimately have that success? But so many people are afraid of that success and they're afraid of that fear and stepping into their their own zone. That having a coach or having a mentor is massively important if they actually truly don't want to have a life of regrets. And that's what I love helping with people do. Is I love that aha moment when they will wow. I'm the one that's in charge of my life. I love that. I love it. And your book, um, it's awesome. And I know you're revising it, you know, because they're just little da- they're little habits. And you can read one and just focus on that. Or you can read two and focus on whatever. But there's so, you know, so many of them. So give us the, the title again of your book and where can people find you as well? Where's the best place they can find you? The best place they can find me. And thank you so much, Linda. It's been an awesome opportunity to connect with you and talk with you. Actually, it's so weird. I've interviewed you, you a couple of times on my shows, but now the, mm-hmm. the, the shoe's on a different foot. Uh, the best place to go is just www.christopherrausch.com. R-A-U-S-C-H, Dr. or Christopher Roush.com. I was thinking about you as a doctor. Or if that's too hard, you can go to noexcusescoach.com. But yeah, I would definitely love to uh, to connect with anybody and offer just as a special gift. I'd lo- like to offer anybody a free coaching call uh, with me for if you've watched this, obviously you watch this, you would hear that. But uh, just as my way of just paying it back to your your viewership. Yeah. But they gotta be ready. It's just like you said, it's like, you know, it's time to just, you know, either just you just gotta shoot. You know, stop holding that arrow. Your arms are getting tired of holding that arrow and thinking, oh, I just want to hit the bullseye and you shoot and you won't hit the bullseye and that's okay. But wouldn't you want to learn from someone that can say, you know, you just have to hold it up a little bit and and just point here and there it goes and let it go and boom, it just flows. And you're that kind of person. You are that person that, you know, that's what a coach does. But I mean, you're, it's just from everything that you've been through. I mean, you're just such a master at, you know, you can't, um, undo a broken egg right you know so it's like right, right. Well, let's make some scrap legs and <laughs> you know it's like you can't undo certain things in your life but it's all really comes down to 
the perspective of taking the action and really just surrounding yourself with that community, other people that are going to drive you in that direction, but also have a clear vision of who do you want to be? What do you want to be like? What do you want to feel like? And really just play that every single day in your head, in your mind. It's, it's a daily thing and, and choose purposely because by default, a lot of us are just getting all this information and we're living by default and not by cause. Yes. So, you know, thank you so much. And always such a, I always have a blast just chit-chatting with you. So I know a viewer's got a lot of information. They got a lot of value. So definitely go on Chris's website on www.christopherroush.com and just Google anything, you know, kick-ass guy. <laughs> and Chris will probably show up, right? I believe um, so. But, um, it just, yeah, and you'll just, love what he has to offer. I know he's impacted my life in such a positive way. And I, I honestly can say there's only been a handful of people that have really impacted my life. And you definitely um, have been one of them. So thank you. Thank you so much from the, the bottom of my heart for being here and just sharing with everyone. And so just one thing before I let everyone go is one thing that um, you're grateful for, one thing that just um, you feel that everyone should know. One thing I'm grateful for, uh, as crazy as it sounds, I'm grateful for breathing. Just every time I get to take a breath, you know, mm. we've heard so many people with COVID and I've, I've, I've seen people, I saw my mom have lung cancer and take her final breath. I've seen people take their final breaths. I'm grateful for every breath I get. Um, and what was the other part of the question? Something you can leave with um, people. Just one little tip or one little tip. Can you, resonate with them. <laughs> yeah. You are only limited by the parameters of your own mind. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what was said to me by my mentor at 17 years old when he told me to go back to school and get my GED. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't go back to high school. I'm stupid. He goes, Christopher, you're only limited by the parameters of your own mind. And Henry Ford said, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So that's my tidbit. I love you, Linda. Thank you so much for having okay. me on your show. Uh, I appreciate you guys. Uh, everybody in the comments, uh, thank you guys for being here. Yeah, thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. Bye.